0: Hey, guys, it's Sasha from Family Financial Feuds. So we've been doing this podcast thing for a while now, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your favorites, your family financial feuds, and more. So if you could go check out our listener survey, you can go to go.illinois.edu slash underscore listener survey. Again, it's go.illinois.edu slash underscore listener survey. You can also check out the link in our show notes or on our social channels on Twitter. You can find Kathy at More Than Coupons. You can find Kamaya at Save Fearlessly or me at Pennies for Pigs. And that's pennies, the number four, and pigs. You can also check us out on Facebook and find that link there as well. We love to hear from you. We're looking forward to it. Welcome to Family Financial Fuse from the University of Illinois Extension. Welcome everyone. My name is Kamaya Wells bichard and I'm joined today by my awesome colleague, Kathy Sweedler. Hi Kathy, how are you? Hi Kamaya, I'm here and I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. I am. So today we're going to be talking about kind of like the relationship between banking and technology, and looking specifically at one aspect of that, which is peer-to-peer mobile tre- mobile payments. Sorry. So these types of digital payments have been growing and expanding over the last few years. And as educators, like the topics that we cover are things that are really interesting to us and things that are also um, kind of dominating the market a little bit. And we want to just focus a little bit more on those things. And one of those, of course, is the pair-to-pair payments. So, Kathy, tell me a little bit about any, any thoughts that you have about these or any experiences that you would like to share. And then after you, I can go into some details as to why we're covering this as well. Yeah, well, I thought this was
1: an exciting topic when you suggested it. I kind of jumped on it because um, I've used some peer-to-peer things myself um, like um, PayPal or Venmo, but then there's all these new ones out there and there's all these symbols all over things that I'm like, what does that do? And mm-hmm. how do people use that? And so, yeah, I I think this is a good topic to when let's define what a peer-to-peer is, P2P, yeah.
0: And then... Um, Talk about how people are using it. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to cover this topic because I've been using money transfer services for like the last 15 years. So some of the older school stuff that I've been using that may be directly tied to my bank or to my debit card, things that I've used um, over the um, past 15 years. So when I was in college, if my parents needed to send me a little cash because I had to get pizza for... Studying for my finals, so whatever it was, um, using like these app to either send or receive money, but that has changed so much, even over the last ten years that you and I were talking about as well too, Kathy. Like it has changed so much. So let's go a little bit into talking more about, you know, what are peer to peer payments and kind of like their prevalence now in like our um, our society. So for example, um, these are typically like cashless payments. And that just means that they are like financial transactions that are done digitally. So rather than like using money in like its physical form, we're doing it like more digitally. So if we look at the trajectory of how we pay for things, right? So from paper to plastic to digital, like that trend has been growing a lot over the years. And we will talk a little bit more about some of the more popular ones that we know like a lot of consumer use as well. Don't you think that one of the things that maybe has been spearing
1: this growth is the fact that nobody wants to write checks? (laughs) (laughs) I think you might be right. Because to me, you know, you could still use cash, but we don't don't carry a lot of cash, right? Because we have our debit cards with us or our credit cards. But like if you and I are out, you know, having a meal together, I can't really hand you my debit card. You don't Mm -hmm. scan well. Um, You know, so I think these have kind of popped up as a way to substitute from the fact that I don't have, you know, I don't have my checkbook in my purse anymore.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and there are a couple of different articles that I've read relating to this as well, too. And I remember one that focused a lot on just like changes within our society, just like you're saying, Kathy, and like that move towards how we want to send and receive money. And one example that I learned about has to do with like one of the popular um, companies like Venmo and how it got started. So say for example, like inventors were looking for ways to make it a little bit easier to like transfer money, whether it's from splitting the bill at a restaurant or for different things that they might use. And so they wanted to just find like an easier different way of repaying like their friends. And I think this
1: also kind of comes back to, I know in past experiences where I've tried to transfer money to family across the country Mm -hmm. or something, when we didn't already have a system in place, but just sort of like this weekend, they need Mm -hmm. money. Um, I couldn't really do it quickly through my own banking online. It was going to take time to set that up. And then there was a fair amount of charge, of cost to it. Um, But mostly the time was an issue. Mm -hmm. And so I think this has sort of stepped forward, the system, this whole idea to fill that gap as well. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I, I can st- set it up like Venmo, just like bang or mm-hmm. Google Pay or Cash App or mm-hmm. any of those takes no time.
0: Yeah. Yeah and for me again going back to like even my experiences using like money transfer services but not necessarily like the peer-to-peer I'm very new to using this and it's based on the fact that I have friends who um, we're doing a lot of different things together and I am suggesting that I set up like a bill pay thing through my credit union and they're like what why would you do that and you know so it's more of Um, learning a lot more about how, like, my friends use, like, these services and to see um, which would be, like, the better options for me and how do I feel about, like, the protections around um, these types of um, peer to peer payment apps. I wonder if the way
1: people get into the, like, because when I started reading about this, I was like, there's a lot more of these different companies (laughs) doing this, different Mm -hmm. systems than I realized, and I realized, like, I ended up, putting the ones I have on my phone because a friend had it mm-hmm. and they wanted me to do a transfer that night. And I was like, fine, I'll download this. I'll do it. Um, and I, I don't know that I, I know I never really sat down and compared the different apps and said, this is the one that would be best for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of the things I've thought about from doing, since we were preparing for this podcast is maybe I had to step back and see which ones I think are really best for me instead yeah. of just the ones that happened upon
0: (laughs) yeah and part of that for me as well too with like exploring so i looked at a couple of different ones but just like you kathy the one that i ended up downloading first was the one based on what my friends were using but i was interested to see which ones were kind of like tied to like financial institutions so like banks and which ones were kind of like their standalone company so they have their own rules and policies which is kind of outside of like some of the different financial institutions. So we'll talk a little bit more about some of that as well. But I also wanted to focus on like who exactly is using like peer to peer payments. And in the research that we found, there's an estimated amount of 80 million people, like by the end of 2018, who were using like peer to peer.
1: Probably a lot more now. Probably
0: a lot more now. So we're little, we're waiting on like new data. So probably a lot more now. And a lot of those users were mostly millennials. Somehow that just doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it doesn't. And millennials use like these apps to, whether it's like to split rent or utility bills, or even to come up with like gift ideas for family and friends that they might use that. Um, But there is more that we could possibly learn in the future because again, this is an emerging area of finances. So I know that there's more that we're gonna be learning in the future about who are the active users of these apps. So come on, take some time and if
1: explain to me assuming I had never done this before mm-hmm. and I didn't hadn't used a peer-to-peer, like what's the steps to make it so that you can so that I could use an
0: app and or and I guess they have to is that true they have to be off your phone? yes Not- yes so for like the peer-to-peer app, they're usually tied to like your smartphone so usually people who are smartphone Um, owners or users can download the apps from like their app store so whether it's like the App Store or Google Store that they can download it from so in my first example of using like one of these apps again it goes back to like my friends telling me okay you can repay me this way so here's the app that I use so what what he had done he sent me an invite from the app and I clicked on that invite and it showed that this person my friend was invited me to use like this this cash app and so i went into the app store downloaded it and did like the sign up routine so i used like my real name created a username and a password then There were a couple different pop-ups about using like touch ID to support like the security of your transaction. So making sure that anything that you are doing, whether it is sending money um, to that friend, that you're authorizing that transaction. It also gave me the option to locate like the payee using like their username. So my friend was able to send like his username so I could find him on the app. So I found him on the app and other ways that people can sign up as well too is like with like just a phone number and an email. It gave me the option to add my debit card um, to the app. It also gave me the option to add like my bank account information. So whether it was my bank account and my routing information. It also showed me ways in which I could send funds and how I could receive funds. And I was very curious about like all of it, all of the processes relating to that and how I deposited into like my bank account. So I went into there and just explored like the different features of it to find out a little bit more about how that actually works. Um, And for that particular app, there was a lot of different options relating to like the security piece again and deciding how I will be sending money to individuals It also had information related to investments and other parts to it as well, too, that I continued to explore because I was very oh curious. God. Yes. Yeah. I was very curious about... Here you were just trying to pay for your slice <laughs> know. of pizza and now you're investing. I know. I'm like, I'm looking at all of this. So those are all optional things that you do not have to use with like some of these apps. But it, is, it was part of like my journey in learning more about it and to see how it might be different from some of the other apps that um, consumer use. So that was like one of my first examples or exposure to it. And for some people, like, the app that you use may have, like, some different procedures when you're getting signed up. Um, Of course, with, like, using name and username and password, of course, those are key things. But there might be some additional features or different features for dependent on the app.
1: Yeah, I think this is really, you know, interesting. And I know that, you know... It kind of goes along with when, whenever we talk to people about adding apps to their cell phones mm-hmm. um, or whatever I, you know, whatever tablets are they're using is to, to think about which of these privacy protection security type things you want to turn on or turn off. Um, and, and I think when you're putting it on for the first time is a really good time to like
0: mm-hmm. slow down a
1: little bit and explore yeah. those and to ask you th- yourself questions. There's not always a right or wrong, like some apps you do want them to know where you're, standing geographically like <laughs> what's the point of a mapping program if they don't know where you are um, but you know another app um, maybe I don't need it to know where I am yes. um, you know and then I know especially for anything that deals with um, finances for me that have access to my financial things I really want to keep my pass a password on there that's just very important to me so even those apps that give me the option to take that off I, I usually don't take that off mm-hmm. I like to have it my phone, I of course I do personal finance, but I like my phone to have a password protect, and then yes. the individual apps to be password protected. Exactly. So, um, at least to slow people down, because I'm one that leaves things
0: laying around and they disappear. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. So. And I think this is a big part of us having this discussion too, because with with newer technology related to things connecting to like or personal identifiable information. Uh, we want to discuss and talk more about how these things might have, like, implications for us, like, our financial lives. And so a big part of, like, our podcast has to do with issues relating to different things, different personal finance topics. And so for pair-to-pair payment options, uh, we want to focus a little bit more on how that might even cause, like, feuds within our families or within our friends' group And this is, like, a good place, I think, to, like, jump into that. Yes. So what are those conflicts? Um, And I hate to even say that
1: I thought of this, but... (laughs) But it seems to me that the, these electronic accounts that aren't quite so obvious as maybe a checking account or something would be a place that you could hide money from other family members. Now, mm-hmm. I suppose you could go to a different bank and open up an account, too. So it's not really all that different. But um, it just seems so easy this way.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I'm glad that you said that too, because Seisha has covered a couple things on like financial, Seisha, our other colleague, the other voice you hear on this podcast, has covered a few things relating to like financial transparency. And yes. her and I have done like a podcast on talking about like your credit report, credit scores with like your, your partners. So this goes into like one of those financial pieces too, like the transparency versus secrecy piece when it comes to how um, do people monitor these things? Not only that, but are they using it as a way to keep secrets within like their family or within like their relationships? And how would that cost like a feud? Right. With, and this is not something we're itself. advocating, right? We're not okay. advocating
1: <laughs> I don't want to put ideas in people's minds, mm-hmm. but um, I could see where this would be, you know, if you're used to sitting down you know, once a month and going through your financial statements or looking at where you are, this could be money just kind of out there that there's money going into this account coming out. But again, like I said, I don't know that it's really any different than um, any other account you might hide somehow. It just feels easier to me.
0: Yeah. Another so. few that I talked to, that I um, thought about had to do with you know say for example going back to like my friend's example where I didn't have like any of these apps on my phone but they use these constantly to do different transactions between and among themselves and it came to the point where I needed to have like that option so I can send or receive money from them quickly and it was a debate I remember us having like a conversation about why can't we just do it through the bank I know you we can set up like maybe like a bill pay where we don't really have to um, pay a fee but it will take a few days for you to get it and I also need your bank account information as well as your routing number so we went into like this discussion on what I will actually need from them to do it through my bank or to do it through bill pay versus using like the app and in the end, like the discussion came back to let's use the app and it's different from every, for everyone and it's different for every situation. But a big part of that, too, is like, OK, do I make this decision to use this app or do I continue to use like the same methods that I've been using before? change it's always about change <laughs> right and staying
1: it, you know staying current with mm-hmm. what what is happening and mm-hmm. you know how far do you fight it and then do you say okay so we're going to do it this way yes but yeah i could see that being a conflict especially mm-hmm. because i think often in relationships one person may be more comfortable doing things electronically mm-hmm. or with their phone than other people and I still hear a lot of people say to me, well, I would never pay a bill off my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I say, well, do you pay online using online? Oh, yeah, I've done that for years. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I understand they're different, but like yes. how much different? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet it feels different to people. Mm-hmm. And yet, or writing a check somehow feels safer than doing it online. And I think we just have to think about people's comfort levels, mm-hmm. um, and it is, you know, some of us feel like we get more clumsy. Maybe maybe that's not exactly the right word. But, you know, on your phone, is it easier to like tap the wrong
0: thing and have it just go away? Yes, absolutely. I, and I've had that issue before. There are some things that I need to have like my laptop in front of me to do it instead of like trying to do it on my phone. So I get for some people as well, too, even just. I don't want to tap the wrong button. I don't want to add an extra zero because I'm not sending that much money. So right. whatever it is, like, cautions about that. And this leads into, like, another one of the fuse that um, I th- thought about as well, too, which is kind of like that mistrust of using, um, like, these apps and worried about, like, online safety because... I know, Kathy, that you and I, we do do, like, educational programs where we work with audiences who are very cautious about the things that they do online. And so for some people, it's having, like, that worry about having, like, breaches that might affect them financially. And if you're in a family or relationships where... Um, One person is an advocate or saying, yes, this is the way of the future. We should be doing this because it makes it easier. It gets us our money in a timely manner. It makes us pay our bills in a timely manner. And then another person might be, uh, might have objections to that. Absolutely. And I think,
1: you know, so we're not really here saying that one way is better than the other way. We're just recognizing that. A lot of people are now using these peer-to-peer mobile payment systems. Um, They're very convenient in some situations, Um, and certainly, it's an evolving field and evolving technology. Mm -hmm. So you know, different people are going to want to pick it up at different times or not at all. But um, and so that in itself causes conflict
0: because it's change. Yeah. Oh. And again, people are using it because of like the uh, convenient way to maybe go cashless. Uh, for some folks, it is relatively quick to get. Like for some of the apps, it's relatively quick to like get like your money in a timely manner. So I remember you just saying something, Kathy, too, about how long like some of these transfers might take. And for some people, like wanting it um, more immediate to take care of things or probably getting close to like a deadline with something and wanting to pay it right away. And as families don't all live close by geographically,
1: but we live apart Mm -hmm. by, you know, thousands of miles. um, There have been times in my life where I have really wanted to be able to get money to somebody Mm -hmm. this week, you know, like today's Friday night and I want them to have it by Saturday or Sunday. And that's really been, you know, Challenge until some of these electronic transfers and things like peer to peer have come around. um,
0: If you didn't have a system already in place, so and you you know, um, going to that, even could be a real advantage, yeah. Even going to that point, too, about like getting um, that money to them. So, say, for example, it's an emergency or something that is immediate. Uh, There, of course, like with my experience with like money transfers, there's systems that you can use, but it costs a lot, right? so those experiences have helped me think a little bit deeper about all of these and to learn a little bit more about even how like the different apps how they make money and how um, people use them so even before we jump into that uh, another what i consider like a benefit for some people when they think about like using like this app um, a lot of people do have smartphones and for the apps they are ios and android friendly so whether it's like apple phone or google phone um people use like these apps because in a lot of ways it's convenient for them not saying that everybody does have smartphone because that is absolutely not true but a lot of people do have it and they find it convenient to use but you could use this off a tablet too couldn't you yes so people can use like download the apps from the app store with like their tablet those mobile devices and use it that way as well too
1: I actually do know people that have tablets that don't have smartphones mm-hmm. I its for one reason or another yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right well we, I think we've talked about some of the concerns that people have that you know that it's different and and things like that but there's a couple other things that I I when I started reading more about it and thinking about, did I want to do more of this myself? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I always like, I personally like technology. So, (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Thinking about what did I want to think about? And I I think one of the things I wanted to think about was being sure I understood what the fee structure was. Yes, And uh, what I've noticed is it's really up to the company Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it it varies. So kind of, and it varies in interesting ways, like what's funding that account or that transfer. And it's not, And that's, I'm going to say it's not transparent because I think you can find that information pretty easily, but it's not consistent from platform to platform. So what I'd like to say to people is um, understand the fees, (laughs) (laughs) take a look at them, understand them. They're not necessarily prohibitive, Mm -hmm. but they're, remember any business is going to look for a way to make um, a profit. So there's got to be fees somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um.
0: Relating to even like the fee piece as well too, I know for some of the apps where if you're looking for like an immediate deposit to your bank account, so the money comes in, so say for example you have somebody who is repaying you, they send that money to the app and you want to get that money as fast as you can to your bank account, there might be a fee for getting it to your bank account immediately, but if you wait, uh couple business days that it might go in the bank account for free so that's one way to like one of the i've seen that like consistently among like several of them where yes, because it's because we've like, just said that we want it for the
1: convenience <laughs> and now they're going to charge us for it yes
0: is that a convenience fees <laughs> yes you will have it in the app it will stay in there but if you wanted to immediately get out into your bank account you might be charged a fee for that yes good
1: good Good business model, right? (laughs) Figure
0: out what people really want it for and then charge you extra. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that was one of my big things that I really wanted to know about. How do the apps make money? How do the companies make money? And so when I was looking into that for my personal use, then I'm like, oh, okay, I see. This is this is one of the ways.
1: Like anything that involves cash, and really we're talking about cash, we're talking about transferring cash here. Um, it's ripe for scams mm-hmm.
0: because,
1: you know, it, it just, it's not like there's, once you've handed over that cash and that person walked out the door, the money's yeah. gone, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it that way digitally. So when, it, and I don't think that the system is any more, um, what do I want to say, vulnerable. risky, yeah, or yeah. vulnerable yeah. than anything, any other cash system, including putting it in your wallet um, and carrying it around physically, but you know, you have to be careful. So when you have a request from somebody that says, don't forget you owe me money for Friday night, um, double check that it's the person you were with Friday night. <laughs> and it wasn't yes. somebody just scamming you and uh-huh. it wasn't who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always want to really make sure that you, you know, the person. And I think that is this interesting piece about it. It's really is designed for person to person transfer people to people and not call, not, Um, small business people you may not know. Yeah. So unless it's set up as a business account, but I mean, otherwise, you know, a lot of this is going from,
0: you know, friend to friend, colleague to colleague, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. And this leads into like another part of our discussion that we want to get into the consumer protection piece because as educators, this is like, front and center for us. So, even before any of the other pieces that we've talked about, like whether there's the benefits, the cautions, what it actually is, we typically go straight to like that consumer protection piece. So, these are new and emerging um, applications that we are using, and it is tied to like our financial information. So, what protections are there for us um, as consumers to make sure that when we're doing like these transactions? legal transactions that don't have like implications for us later to making sure that these are authorized transactions that um, we are engaged with. So a big part for us with like the consumer protection has to do with what laws or what rules are there, right? So what rules are there that govern these apps? And one of those pieces has to do with um, the Electronic Funds um, Transfer Act which provides guidelines and restrictions for companies that create like the different mobile um, payment apps. And some of these guidelines of course are very important. So we have like the different types of app that might be tied directly to like a bank, so to a financial institutions and those that may be standalone. And so there are different laws that do govern these pieces and This Electronic Funds Transfer Act is one that provides like some of the guidelines about disclosures. So what do consumers know about how to use the apps? And what should they be aware of in case um, they get scammed? So in case somebody um, access their account or there is an unauthorized um, payment that goes through, like what are some of the different pieces? Um, That they need to consider and one of these that was very interesting to me had to do with the fact that some of the guidelines because a lot of this is new some of the guidelines whether it is federal or state they might be unique to where the app is so depending on where you're using the app so the state they're like state-level regulations and I hope I said that clearly. <laughs> There's Yeah, so what you're pages. saying is we've got some federal
1: protection, but you yes. might have more or less depending on what state you live in. And then depending on the app and their policies, yes. you might have a different some other additional protections or app uh, opportunities there. So, well,
0: thank you, Kathy. See how she makes that so clear? That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about this because yeah. – um, It you
1: know, like your checking account, um, and any electronic you know, like if you're using somebody steals your debit card information, for example, you really need to stay on top of what those transactions are that are happening in that account. So whether it's peer to peer or people to people, or whether it's um, you know your bank checking account at a credit union or a bank, you need to make sure that you're up to date with it because if something happens and somebody steals that out. Um, illegally then, and you don't notice it for 60 days, you could lose all the money. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, not unique to these uh, mobile payments, but I'm wondering as you get all these different systems, if it's easier to like, forget to check them. Right. You know, yeah. just to keep on top of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I just actually was thinking about one of the um, mobile payment systems I have. And I was like, when did I last look at that?
0: <laughs> did you update the app? That's like an important piece. Somewhere. Well, I do update all the apps automatically okay, that right. I do do
1: that comes through and I get that done. But so but that wouldn't tell me if somebody had found my account and and pulled the, it out, you know, as an identity theft issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we add all the, these different opportunities, we might want to think about, you know, how many do we want so we can stay, atop, stay on top of them?
0: Yes. Yes. It's not always the more than Maria. It's the more no, you can control and figure out. Unless like, what you have a better like brain those. than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, another piece that I really wanted to um, touch on with the consumer protection piece has to do with a report um, that came out of um, Consumer Reports. So this was a 2018 um, report that they did. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this because they tested five pair-to-pair mobile app services and they were doing this to sort of like evaluate where they are and how do they protect um, user information and they tested on five criteria and these criteria were like payment authentication so looking to see um, when users are making payments or receiving payments like what regulations what guidelines do they have for that they also looked at like data security um how is your information protected how is it used and that goes into data privacy as well another piece that they looked at so they looked to see how your information is used and one of um, the pieces related to like that privacy had to do with does it say, have a disclaimer that says that information might be used, um, whether it's on like a social media page or different pay, pay pieces like that? The fourth thing that they looked at was the quality of customer support. So customer service, of course, is always great. So if you have like an issue with the app, or there was an unauthorized transaction that you're trying to get resolved, how quickly could you get in contact with someone and how did they work with you and did they understand what your needs were? So they did look at that customer support piece. They also looked at like the, what they call broad access and also looking at ways in how like these peer-to-peer apps disclose fees um, policies and other factors that affects like the consumers. So they did this test because, of course, they wanted to hold like, the developers and the companies accountable for like the security and privacy of user information. So I thought that article was very interesting. Um, it, it's one way to kind of get more information on what has been done as we see like peer-to-peer apps growing and how that information is being used—that we we store on these apps—and I would really encourage people if they decide to to utilize the peer
1: to peer payment um, apps to just do a quick search on the internet for you know best. Peer-to-peer apps Mm -hmm. because things are continuously evolving. So, like you said, this article was in 2018, was well done and gives us some good criteria to think about. But also keep on top of it because things will change for these different ones. They're gonna, they we know how fast things change within the digital world. So new ones will come out. um, New systems might be modified. Old systems might be modified. And so. It's really on us as a consumer, to be honest, to just stay informed about it and, um, you know, do a little investigating ourselves to make sure that the one we're using is still protecting us.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because in this Consumer Reports article, they talked about several of the companies that didn't get, like, great marks (laughs) on all five criteria. And they talk with people at those companies and then those companies shared what they are working on or things that they're doing in the future to right. improve that. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned that. So that's
1: the thing. It's, it, you know, it's it's relatively new, not super new, but, mm-hmm. you know, relatively new, definitely still evolving. I think it'll be pretty exciting to see where it goes in the next few years.
0: Yeah. And just a quick, like, disclaimer, like, even the names that we do talk about In this podcast, we are not advocating for or against. It's just to provide more information on like these, this different system that is growing and more and more people are going to be using and just to highlight what are some of the challenges that may come out of that, as well as the benefits that may come out of that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, there's something for everybody. So different Mm -hmm.
0: flavors. Yeah. So as we're closing out, Kathy, and we're thinking about like the feuds that may emerge from the use of like these apps or just other concerns that users might have, uh, we have a couple of things that we think would be interesting to help reduce or avoid feuds around using mobile apps or different concerns that you might have about that. And one of those has to do with, say, for example, with it, you're in a family or group of friends who may use it or may think about exploring like these apps just having discussions about how you use them and what you'll be using them for that is always a good place to start. Uh, We have a lot of different um, educational things on communication and money and we try to emphasize the importance of like discussing like different things and this is an important thing to discuss with like the people in your life to see if this is a route that you want to go down.
1: You know, and I think also as you bring this up to when you're going to be using um, these payment modes to have a sense of other people's privacy levels, what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm pretty comfortable with social media. I don't mind people you know tagging me on social media um things like that but one of my sons really doesn't like to be tagged on social media i mean he <laughs> likes his life more private mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fine and it's right so i feel like i you know i don't tag him i mean yeah. even if i put a photo up that has him in it i don't tag him and the same thing when i'm but when i thought about it i'm like okay i'm good about you know photos of me um, on vacation but i don't know that i want everybody to know what i'm eating and drinking when i'm on vacation <laughs> For it, so you know, maybe I don't want my friends to be um, posting our exchange of money on social media, and that, and so that would be a conversation I would need to initiate because I might, I can't expect that everybody would know that about me. Mm -hmm. So you know, bringing those things up and communicating about them would be good. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was just thinking about is, you know, we talk a lot about communicating with your significant other about your financial accounts, your credit cards. I actually don't know that my husband knows. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I was keeping him from him, mm-hmm. but I just don't think he knows. And um, not a big deal. I think I'll probably tell him before he hears this podcast. Um, but, you know, if something was were to happen to me mm-hmm. and i passed away and there was money in this
0: account i don't think he knows i mean i don't think he'd ever find it how would he find it and i just find that you said that too because i it was when i started exploring on my own then i talked to my husband he's like oh yeah i've been using venmo for years i'm like what when because we think is- of it as just you know between me and a friend and what yes, i'm doing exactly right? i'm
1: like i did not know that and so. and again not right or wrong but Um
0: I was just reading over your notes about you know being
1: transparent and I was like yeah Kathy
0: You see where that point came from, right? Right. I needed to know that you had a Venmo account. I did not know that. Right. So and maybe maybe my husband has
1: has has (laughs) accounts and I don't know about it. So and again we don't we're pretty we're very open with our money Mm -hmm. between us. So this wasn't like trying to hide any money. Right. But um you know, it, it's a good reminder that as we add new technology mm-hmm. to our financial services, um, we need a way to communicate that
0: mm-hmm. and let
1: people know um, where it is It's and what where the money is.
0: Another way, of course, to sort of keep on top of everything and to try to avoid like feuds around this um, has to do with like making sure that you do save and check like the contact information that you have. Because things are constantly changing with like people's life, life goes on with a lot of different things. So making sure that um, we're checking to make sure that our contacts are updated and correct.
1: So that
0: we're not not sending money to the wrong people.
1: Right, and -hmm. and that if that system needs to contact you, that your emails and phone numbers and things are, they have the right information on your accounts too, just like any other financial service account.
0: So um, what part in preparing for like this podcast, like Kathy did an awesome um, post on Facebook, just to find out more about the apps that people use and feedback about their experiences. And I remember reading one of the comments about, I think it was like teens who may use the app for different things relating to school or something along that line. But that brought me to a point too with like, what do our teens know? They know a lot, right? They know a lot about like some of the newer systems and newer ways of paying things. So, having discussions or so talking with like our teens about the peer-to-peer apps and understanding, helping them to understand like how they should be thinking about these or if they're starting to use them already. Cause I have a teen and she does have like a debit card. So she does have um, some things relating to that, but different apps have different policies and age limitations as well too. So maybe having like that conversation with like teens or young adults who are just getting um, used to like these apps to just have more discussions around that as well. And
1: I think another thing that kind of bounced out at me of that conversation that was going on on social media was um, some of these apps are best suited if you're just doing personal to personal. Mm -hmm. Yes. And some are better suited if you have like a small business and you're asking for people to pay for services and things. And they actually, the apps do have different rules and regulations about who can use them officially and those different mm-hmm. ways so you might double check if you're a small business owner or you have a you know a second gig and you're getting some payments for that gig double check that the app you're using is appropriate for that yeah.
0: um
1: i think you just you know it might start out with are using it person to person and mm-hmm. then it evolves into That's i enough. also sell this or i have this service and and it might just be better to have one for business and then one for personal and double check you've got the right one for the right place
0: there's another point um, relating to like how do we um, reduce conflicts around this too that I think is important. And we talked a little bit about the customer support piece, but having like information on the app that you're using. So whether it's your customer support line or email or anything relating to like contact information for them is important like to have that on file in case you need to like check into different things. And I know it doesn't seem like Um, all that wonderful and glamorous having Oh, customer support for this app in your phone or whatever. But having like that information on hand can be useful because some of these apps give like really tight um, turnaround to address issues. Because some might say, okay, you only have like just a few short days if you had like an unauthorized um, transaction to contact us and try to get this resolved. So it might be a turn t- a turn, a tight turnaround for you to get um, that information in. So having like that customer service information on hand um, can be very useful to resolving issues. So I guess what you're saying is like, for example, if I
1: lost my phone, which (laughs) happens um, and I didn't find it and I wanted to, you know, close down certain apps, then I would need to contact the companies to do that, probably to close that account or put a hold on it. So it didn't change. And I certainly I know how to contact my. Um, different financial services like investment mm-hmm. or banks mm-hmm. or credit mm-hmm. unions but then it might be more you know I'd have to think about like how do I contact these different apps and which ones do I have Yes, you mm-hmm. know current on my phone so yeah,
0: that it help. might be
1: good to have a list of that somewhere mm-hmm. just so you would have it handy in an emergency
0: yep absolutely and I know for like some phones do have features where you can if your phone is lost or stolen you can erase like information or data on there but not all phones do have like those features and it can be hard after you lose something that is so very close to you have like so much of your information and you might up. go to panic mode right <laughs> right right
1: right so you know a lot of what we do with our finances is not about getting rid of risk but just minimizing yes. risk um, making it as safe as possible and then understanding the rules that we're under so that we can you know react to it so password protect um, mm-hmm. check your accounts frequently Stay on top of things. I think those are really important points.
0: Absolutely, this has been such a wonderful discussion. Um, some of the resources that I've used has um, is Consumer Reports. I've had articles from Forbes who focused on like these types of transaction or Nerd Wallet, and I also had like a number of research articles too that help with contribute into like this discussion because I'm very happy that there are a lot of researchers. Who have seen like the trends and are doing more to provide information for us consumers um, to learn more about the just like whether it's the challenges the benefits and how to use like these different apps so that um, we don't get into like issues relating to being exploited through them or other things that might affect us financially
1: Great conversation. I have a feeling this is one we can do in a year, and it'll be different because yes. this is. I feel like this is really changing quickly, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of a lot of things coming out of it. Thanks to everybody who I tapped in the last couple of weeks and said, "What do you do with your apps?" <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> because I realized it's also very generational, like how we interact mm-hmm. with our money and context of what kind of responsibilities you might have financially. Um, So it was nice to get that big picture. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So the research informs us. Our focus groups inform us. um, The articles that are out Mm -hmm. there are good. So a lot of good information on this one.
0: Absolutely. And I look forward to developing this more in the future with like articles and different things related to this topic because it is definitely one that we will continue to discuss and to write about. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Views. If you'd like to learn more about the educators extension in Illinois or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewellillinois.edu.